Hello, this is John Curry, and welcome to another episode of John Curry's Secure Retirement Podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this interview. We just had lunch, Jay and I, Jay Wolf and I, sitting here with our friend Bonnie Beavis. Welcome, Bonnie. Hello. Uh, Bonnie just retired from state government, 35 years of work with Highway Safety. And Bonnie, if you would, please just share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Who is the real Bonnie Beavis? Where did you grow up? And then I want to get into your career. You talked about raising kids. Uh, I don't want to reveal too much yet, but I just want to talk about the real life of someone who spent 35 years in public service. Well, I was born in Georgia and moved to Tallahassee in 1966. Um, graduated from Leon, went to TCC and FSU, um, worked for the state, was a driver's license examiner, quit, had children, did some private, went back to the state, and then retired after 35 years. I've been doing podcasts for a long time now. I've never had anyone so succinctly just sum up those things. So now we're going to unpack some of that. Okay, so you you were telling us earlier about an experience as a driver's license examiner. Let's have some fun. Share with us some of the things that you saw and experienced. And I think you said you were doing that down in Fort Myers. Correct. Um, and my favorite story is always the retired policeman from Ohio. This was in 1977. So he was probably in his 80s. He knew he could drive better than everybody. Um, <laughs> we, being stewards of the roads to keep him safe, we thought maybe we should give him a driving test. That made him mad. Um, we had to give him the written test first. We caught him cheating. It took him several times before he finally did pass it, we think, on his own. Then we had to give him the driving test. Well, because he had gotten himself an attorney, he had to ride with, or he had to ride with all of us. Actually, all of the examiners had to ride with him. It was a very scary ride for all of us. He never did pass. Um, took his license from him. He continued to remind us how he was retired policeman from Ohio. He caused issues on the highway in front of the driver's license office. He turned south into the northbound lanes when he shouldn't have been driving. <laughs> so he had to go to court, caused a wreck in the parking lot, didn't know who he'd caused a wreck with till he got into the courtroom, and it was the judge. <laughs> so the judge told him no, he would not get to his license back. <laughs> but out of all that, he made sure to let you know that he was a retired was, cop from Ohio. Correct. <laughs> he was very much a retired policeman from Ohio. We heard that regularly. In fact, when he was in the office, everybody heard it because he was one of those very boisterous older gentlemen. So you had to maintain your cool and your calm, try to help the fellow, but at the same time, there are times when we should not be allowed to do certain things. Correct, like drive, <laughs> yeah. when you are a detriment to society. Now, you were there for five years, and then you moved. You moved back to Tallahassee. Came, actually, I came back to Tallahassee as a driver's license examiner. I was at the Northwood Mall yeah. downstairs in that horrible place. Nobody wanted to show up too early. Um, but I worked there until... I was probably six months pregnant when it was like, okay, I'm going to stay home now for a while. Okay. 
So at that time, were you still married? I can't remember. You yes. You were still married. I was married. But you went through a period. Talk about you were divorced, and for a number of years, you were raising children. Right. And then tell us a little bit about that, because I find it fascinating how many women, especially but men and women that are single parents, but especially the ladies who have the power and the just the ability to just make it work. So right. share some of your experiences there. Well, I had had my first child, and I stayed married for about a year and a half after she was born. Um, then I had to have a place to live. I had to have a job um, because I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, I got hired by a friend of mine to keep books um, at his company. I had never done that before, um, but I liked it. I enjoyed the numbers. So when I quit working for him, went back to school, took some accounting classes, um, worked for a couple of private companies that you didn't always get a paycheck on Friday. Mm-hmm. They might, uh, <clears throat> we'd write the checks and we'd just tell everybody that maybe Monday we'll have a good weekend and you can get paid on Monday. Um, sometimes one of the companies got to where he'd give them a He'd, he'd give us all $100 on Friday, and then I'd get to rewrite the checks and deduct that $100 from it. But he'd at least give us enough in his mind to, you know, get through the weekend <clears throat> or all he could afford. Um, but there's no benefits there. Right. Today, as we're, as we're recording this, is December 9th, 2020, and mm-hmm. we've had a heck of a year dealing with the COVID virus. And your story there is so relevant today because there are pockets of businesses, industry that are in trouble mm-hmm. because of the shutdowns. You have other industries that are thriving. You know, but there are people out there who are going through the same thing now. They've either lost their jobs, have no income, or their paychecks have shrunk because the businesses are in trouble and they're trying not to get rid of their employees, but, it, but at least pay them something. Right. So the experience that you went through is not unlike what people are dealing with today. I agree. And then if you're trying to raise a kid, mm-hmm. especially a young one, a toddler, that makes it more difficult. Correct. More difficult. Talk a little bit about how how did you deal with that? That had to be tough at times. I relied heavily on my mother. <laughs> of course, she wasn't my babysitter. I had to have daycare because she had a job. But to have any kind of relief... And, and I love my children, don't get me wrong, but you need a break from your child. And luckily, my mother would help me out there. She lived close. Um, but you just do what you got to do. You eat a lot of hamburger. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was cheap. <clears throat> it's not so much anymore. <laughs> right. um, you eat a lot of spaghetti. You get real creative with your hamburger. Yeah. Um, and then I, I realized I needed something with more security than put, not getting a paycheck on payday. I needed where I got a paycheck on payday and some health insurance. Um, I needed benefits. Mm-hmm. So I went back to work for the state. Um, health insurance, retirement, paid days off, all the holidays when the kids are out of school. So I went back and did accounting. Okay. I think there's a couple of lessons here. One, an adversity, needing to go to work because you're divorced, calls you to take a job that maybe you never would have considered, i.e. doing books for someone, 
So that was a opportunity to learn something new. And that learning something new got you back to school. Mm -hmm. And then you ended up having a career doing that new thing. Correct. So let's expand on that. So now you go back to work. Uh, tell us what you did when you went uh, back into the workforce. You went to highway safety. I went back to highway safety. Take us through that progression. And I was hired as the supervisor of the fixed assets section. Um, had a good group. Tell us what that is, fixed assets. Fixed assets, desks, chairs, cars. We had to count all of them that the department owned every year. We had to account for all of them. Uh, back then, it was anything over $100. Hmm. Now, I think they've raised it up to over $5,000. So we were keeping up with desk, chairs. Chairs, trays. <laughs> calculators were considered an attractive item. So, yes, we had those on property, too, because people might want to walk off with their calculator, which I, you know, I don't know why. But, um, <laughs> but so we kept up with all, and the cars. We bought the car. We had a guy in our section that bought the cars, disposed of the cars. And with highway safety, it was all the patrol cars. So we had a lot. Um, we also were over the central supply. I used to call it the miscellaneous section because if nobody else did it, we got it. We had a couple of bank accounts we reconciled. We put made claims on car wrecks between department vehicles and private citizens. So if it was the private citizen's fault, we, of course, sent you a letter and asked for you to pay for our damages. And hopefully you had insurance. <laughs> um, so it was a miscellaneous type section, but it wasn't accounting. Take us backstage a little bit behind the curtains, because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. So here you are in a job of where you're monitoring fixed assets like this table, chairs, mm -hmm. equipment, automobiles. So I, I didn't think about that. But all that stuff has to be accounted for, doesn't it? Correct. You can't just assume that it's being taken care of. So right. You have to track it. How frustrating or, or, or frustrating or how fulfilling was the work? When I first got there, it was a little of both. Um, the people before me really hadn't done their job. They they would put the property number on the piece of paper and file it, and never and the property number was still stuck to the piece of paper. They never got it to the item. With highway safety, you've got the whole state. So it was from Pensacola to Miami. Mm -hmm. And if you move, <clears throat> John Q. Trooper moves from Pensacola to Miami. He takes all his equipment with him. Well, all of those items have property numbers on them. And if they don't do the proper paperwork and send it to Tallahassee, those items are still assigned to Pensacola. They don't end up. So now they're lost. Pensacola doesn't know where they are. Right. Miami has found items. And once you reconcile it, then you're like, okay, so now they're found. Plus the weapons. Mm -hmm. A lot of weapons. And when you're a law enforcement and you retire, part of the statue is you get your service weapon. It's your retirement gift. I did not know that. Correct. A lot of people don't. So we had to keep up with those because 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you're no longer with us, the retired law enforcement. Your child, his child, has your gun. Who got your firearm? We had one. We had a local sheriff's department call, and this gun is registered as belonging to the highway patrol. It was just involved in a crime. We had to figure out 
who it belonged to. Mm. And it was, he was dead and it had been passed down and stolen or who knows. But yeah, so the weapons were, were a biggie. Was that multiple weapons or was that just their basic, you know, like just if they had a nine millimeter correct, on their side? Correct. Okay. Just their pistol. They're just their service revolver. Gotcha. That's the only one they got. Um, so we had to keep up with that. And we were all paper back then. We were moving to electronic. Um, so as more things became electronic, of course, it got easier to keep up with. Right. But still, you're trying to get people in Miami to do paperwork that they're supposed to do. And you're sitting in Tallahassee because highway safety is centralized and everything happens at the Kirkman building as far as accounting and all that good stuff. Payroll, purchasing, personnel, it all happens in Tallahassee. Central location, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about, uh, you made a comment about raising three children and... The, the years of difference between them. Share, my, share, share that. My three different generations of children. I never <laughs> had two teenagers at the same time, which was a blessing and a curse. Um, <laughs> it was, they're seven and a half years apart. All three of them didn't plan it that way. It just happened. The last one, when she got to middle school, she rolled her eyes at me about three times, and I told her, I said, I'm not playing that game. I'm just not going to play that game. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, go ask your sisters. <laughs> so it was good, and it was bad. Um, I was, I look back, and I'm glad. I didn't have two teenagers at the same time. The middle one was very um, testy. She was the one that was going to test me for everything I was worth. My mother-in-law said, you're getting paid back for everything my son did to me. I said, you're right. I'm getting paid back. He's not. Because, you know, daddy and three little girls who could do no wrong. Right. She had him wrapped hook, line, and sinker. And she, middle school was tough. Once she got out of middle school, she turned out to be wonderful. But those three years are rough. So you started the job because you were divorced. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long were you divorced before you were remarried? I was divorced six years. Six years. Something like that. Okay. Five years, six. And, uh, and you lived in Tallahassee the whole time once Correct. you went back up here. Okay, good. Correct. Uh, how difficult was it to raise three children and have a career? Give us some insight into that. And, and, and a new husband you had to train. <laughs> and a new husband. Well, get up in the morning. you got to get them ready. You've got three little, well, for the longest time I only had two because, oopsie. By the time she came along, the other one was pretty much grown, the oldest. Um, but getting them up, getting them ready, got to brush teeth, got to get dressed, got to get you to daycare, which, of course, is all the way in town. I got to turn around and come all the way back to work. They weren't next door to each other. Um, it it gets to be challenging, frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Then when you get off work, you don't get to just go home. Now you've got to go pick them up. Right. From where you left them in the morning, they don't just show back up. So it was nice. As they grew up, and it's like, oh, I get off work, I can just go straight home. Because they were, at that point, riding buses. (laughs) That's interesting. 
Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, getting ready to to retire. You had your 30 years in, of service. You decided to go into the drop program. Uh, you said that was an easy decision for you. Some people that we talk with, it's a very difficult decision. They love their work. Mm-hmm. They want to stay as long as they can. But they also were tempted by this bucket of money that will be in a drop account after five years. Others who hate their job say, I'm going to get in, drop, and get out as fast as possible. Uh, talk about how you were feeling about going into drop. And you share with us some of your insights into what people should consider if they are getting to the close to where they could go into drop. I think drop's a great thing. Um, the nice, the bucket of money at the end is nice. You know you're going to have a cushion mm-hmm. if you've been li- especially if you've been living paycheck to paycheck. Um, at the end of the five years, there's going to be that cushion because they are just going to write you a check. Um, you got retirement. The state currently pays most of the retirement for everybody. Right. Um, and then it's just five years. It's <laughs> just five years. And some people that go in too young do end up having to go find them another job. True. Because the retirees' health insurance is really expensive. Um, especially the family coverage. You know, I was lucky enough to step out at the right age and go straight to Medicare. So, right. and then with the little supplement, but it's still a little more expensive, but not much. Well, during lunch, you were telling us about that. It just so happened to coincide that when you had your thirty years, you were sixty. So five more years took you to sixty-five for Medicare. Correct. And um, so, for you. You shared with us, without us getting into revealing personal financial data, but in retirement, your pension and your Social Security is going to be pretty much equal to what you were earning, I think you said. To my take-home pay, which is what everybody's used to spending off of. Right. While you're working, you're getting paid this big gross amount, which... That's really what you're earning, but it's not what you're living on. And that's not counting what you'll decide to get in the future with the money you had from drawing. Correct. As far as additional income. What we find interesting is people say that when they retire, they will be in a lower tax bracket. We're not seeing that. Most people, when they retire, they're in the same bracket, maybe a little bit higher, because when they start taking their pension, Social Security, and money in deferred comp, IRAs, whatever they did with their mm-hmm. drop, probably went to an IRA, we're finding that their, their income uh, is not lower. In some cases, it's higher. So all of a sudden, they go, whoops, all the planning I had based on the lower tax bracket, Correct. it didn't happen. Right. And now the environment we live in today with all the spending going on for stimulus, uh, most of us will probably be in a higher tax bracket within the next two, three, four, five years. Right. And it may be one year, depending upon what happens in Congress. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what hobbies you had along the way. I, th- I thought it was interesting some of the things you shared about your hobbies. And I'm going to come back and tell you why I thought one was interesting. But sure. Well, I've, I've, I started quilting when I was a senior in high school. I don't remember what prompted it, but it was like, I'm going to do that. I think I had tried back when before your time. But let's be clear and tell everybody. Some people here just may not know what the word quilting is. So share. So well, what is quilting? Well, you take little pieces of material and you sew them together to make a large quilt. Yeah. And then you've got to get your batting and your backing and 
put it all together like your grandmother used to do. Oh, when I grew up, I have fond memories right now. We were talking about earlier, my grandmother and her best friend, Miss uh, Mary Calvert, uh, sitting around this big wooden frame hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. They'd work all day on that. And you make these beautiful quilts. I have one quilt that belongs to my oldest daughter. It was her great-grandmother's. Mm-hmm. And they were, they lived in Sopchoppy. This is a really cool quilt. And it was, it's called a signature quilt. And while all the men were off to war in World War II, the little ladies sat around and made a quilt. And what they did was they each made a block. And they signed their name on it and embroidered in their signature. And then they came together and put the blocks together. Now, how Shelley's great-grandmother ended up with the quilt, I don't know. But her grandmother had given it to me, so of course it's hers. But it is the neatest thing to see these signatures. Of course, we only know one of them, Mm -hmm. which is her great-grandmother. But it's just nothing matches. It's just the patterns. But just think of the time and the love that went into making that. Correct. Just, I mean, Correct. It, it was, and today we we don't think about this so much because we're such instant gratification society. But you don't just sit down and do a quilt in an hour. Oh no, it takes <laughs> days, and you poke your fingers, and you know you've got holes in your fingers from the needle. Right. It's it's very time consuming. So are you still quilting? I haven't in a while, but I'm fixing to start back. I actually pulled out. Let me tell you this. I pulled out all of my rock and roll concert t-shirts the other day that I've collected from all the years. Don't tell me. You can make a quilt out of that. I'm going to make a quilt out of the (laughs) t-shirts. I'm going to cut the front of the shirt off and the back if there's something on it, and I'm going to make a quilt. Cool. Um, And I thought, well, that'll be fun. The kids can have a fun time with this, with this, you know, 1972 Rolling Stones concert t-shirt. creative way to per- preserve your memories, too. Correct. Which is very cool. Correct, because they've just been up in my cedar chest doing nothing. And I'm like, well, that'll give me something to do to get over COVID. Till I'd, we, like, I'd till like to we, see it when you get done with it. Till we go back to being real people. Um, that'll keep me busy, and it'll be... I think that'll be another podcast, and maybe we'll do a video. <laughs> That'd be cool, seriously. Uh, talk a little bit about your other hobby. You called yourself the Jigsaw Puzzle Queen. Oh, yes. I love a jigsaw puzzle, and I, <clears throat> and nobody wants them when you're done with them. And I, I'm one that can't do it again. I've already done it. So I've got basically brand-new jigsaw puzzles. I actually started sending some to a cousin who recently lost a child, and it's kept her very occupied and kept her from thinking about that. Um, but I, I 2,000 pieces. The table, you got to have a really large table. Mm-hmm. you got all the pieces. I just, I love putting jigsaw puzzles together. Growing up, my dad loved jigsaw puzzles. He, he got an old dining table. He put it in the corner of the room. And every time we'd walk past, we'd just be playing with the pieces. Right. And I think about that today in my work. What do we do? Basically, when people sit down with us, it's like taking all the pieces of a jigsaw mm-hmm. puzzle, putting them together for them, so they have this vision of their retirement. Correct. And, and I, I love jigsaw puzzles for that reason, but 
I haven't done one in a long time. Now I'm thinking, I need well, to go buy some jigsaw no, you puzzles. Don't. Take them out of my property. No, you don't. I'll send you some. <laughs> okay. I'll Thank get you. you some jigsaw puzzles. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have fond memories of that, too, because my aunt, Debbie, who is like a second mother to me, I grew up with her, and she did a lot of jigsaw puzzles. And it's one of those things where you can, like you said, lay it out on the table, and you don't have to get it all done right then and there. Correct. You can kind of come back, do a little bit, leave it and slowly see how it builds. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was cool was that it always gives me fond memories of Christmas, <clears throat> which is appropriate being that we're in this time of year because we would always do Christmas jigsaw puzzles. Heck, we'd even do those 3D <clears throat> puzzles. I don't know if you've ever done those where they were No, actually, I haven't. Yeah, we took it to that level. <laughs> That's fun. It's fun. Let's talk a little bit about um, your retirement plans. You and your husband, Monty, had planned on doing some traveling. Well, before I go into that, Tell me, how is it at home now? He has to get up and go to work every day and you're retired. How's that working? <laughs> it's okay. He's gotten a little more used to it because it's been, you know, since the 1st of October with me just sitting there in my nightshirt drinking my coffee saying, see ya. <laughs> Have a good day, but, darling. <laughs> but he has gotten worse about picking up after himself. Which I didn't really think it could get worse. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't hear this. Oh, he, it doesn't matter. Um, but he has gotten a little worse. Um, I was fussing at him the other day about who did you think was going to throw away that plate that you cut that onion up on? Did you? Well, and he said, "Well, that wasn't a conscious thought." I said, "Well, but you left it on the counter." <laughs> oh, you're tough, lady. Yeah, you're tough. You're tough. So I have noticed that he's a little less home productive, I guess we should call it. <laughs> I'm going to change the subject. <laughs> uh, okay, you had plans to travel, mm-hmm. and you were sharing with us that because of the COVID virus, like most of us, right. you, that kind of halted those plans. But share a little bit of uh, some of the places you said you wanted to go. Right. I've never been many places. I've been to Texas and I've been up north a little ways, but I want to go to the Grand Canyon, see out west. Um, Yellowstone might be pretty cool, too. Just yeah. I'm not into getting into it with a buffalo. Um, <laughs> don't really care for bears, but um, the train rides through the canyon. Uh, I'm petrified of heights. So I don't see me walking out real close to the edge of anything, unless there's a large fence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still want to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of those things I think everybody should see. Yep. It's awesome. Uh, I remember going with my son, who was very young at the time, and we were on an Indian reservation, flew in by a helicopter. Excuse me, a small plane. This one, another was a helicopter. And uh, the... The place where we were had no rails. So one of the guides suggested that we tie a rope around my son's waist and around my waist. And I I looked at him and I'm like, do we need that? He said, you're going to want it. Every so time. you both go off instead of just uh, one of you. Well, hopefully I would be the one that's standing behind him and not let him go. But we still talk about that experience. He's 30, right. 37 years old now. So it's just, I think it's called... In our world, we call it building memories. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I've not been to Yellowstone. I want to do that. But I think uh, that's a, a great trip you should take. Tell me a little bit about uh, the trains. We were, we're both fascinated with trains. 
I want to go literally from coast to coast. Right. You were talking about that. I've looked at those. Um, they've got all kinds of packages on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, just got to figure out which company to go with. Right. I haven't done that yet. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be fascinating. And I'm just to a point of where I've been on a plane once this year. Right. And that was in March. And even before the virus, I just reached the point of where I got tired of getting on airplanes. People banging your eyeglasses with their purses and their bags and all this Correct. stuff. Correct. So I just want to get on a train or get in my car or truck and just drive. And just drive. And enjoy the scenery. Mm-hmm. So t- tell us a little bit more about what you think you'll be doing regarding the travel. And then right. I'll switch gears and ask you to give our listeners a little bit of your personal advice about work. But anything else on the travel side before we do that? I really just want to see our... This country. Same here. I'm not really into going to somebody else's country. I used to think I wanted to go to Australia. Um, but I don't, like you said, I don't think I want to get on a plane. Um, mm-hmm. And with COVID, I, we've got so much to see here. <clears throat> I, sh- I share the same feeling. I'm to the point where I want to see this country. Mm-hmm. I've been to most states, but there are several I've not been to. Correct. I want to go to South Dakota, North Dakota, Wyoming. Montana, haven't been there, mm-hmm. but but I, I I want to do those things also. Right, and just take time out, maybe once a quarter, take time and just get away and just go. Mm-hmm. Yes, you said some things earlier that I thought were very important regarding advice. What I said, folks, was I said, Bonnie, if you had the opportunity to give someone advice in who's working in state government, and well, with all of the turbulence and people saying this. State's a terrible place to work and things like that. Share with us your view on that. You may not get a pay raise every year, but the benefits are there, and you don't really see the benefits. What the state pays for you on the back end, the retirement, the health insurance, the life insurance, Mm -hmm. the things they pay for you are worth hanging in there for. A lot of private companies, you're going to have you may fuss about the 3% retirement that they're deducting at the state. You go somewhere else, private, you may have to contribute all of them into your 401k. They may, Your employer may not contribute much, if any, for you where the state does it. Or they may hold that check over the weekend and give it to you next week. Right. Like you talked about earlier. Right. There were <clears throat> where we just didn't have the money to get paid. I get frustrated when I hear people say anything negative about state employees. I grew up in a state employee family. My grandfather worked for DOT, Toronto mm-hmm. Transportation, out of Phoenix Springs. My dad did. They both were retired there. And people who work in the Florida retirement system across the board, uh, you're doing good work that needs to be done mm-hmm. that all of us who don't see that every day, like we take it for granted that those cars are taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and not only do you have to track them, you had other people have to work on them. Correct. Well, the things that we take for granted, uh, you and people like you in state government are the reason those things were there for us. Well, so not only do you have the benefits, the point I want to make is not only do you have the benefits, but you're creating value for every citizen of the state. And mm-hmm. you may not be singled out and recognized for it properly. But my hope is when we're doing these podcasts that we give people inspiration and let them hear stories like yours where they can say, wow, I want to do that. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Anything else you would, you would share? Well, I did payroll for years until I retired, and I really enjoyed helping troopers understand how and why they were getting paid what they were getting paid, where they always thought it should have been something different. That you're not getting shorted, you're going to get it. It's just the way the accounting system works, so you're not going to get it today, you're going to get it in two weeks. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. I liked working with the people. Um, And then knowing that when I did retire, I wasn't going to just be relying on on a Social Security check. There is that that retirement check that just magically shows up every month. Right. By direct deposit. I don't even have to deposit it. Right. It's cool, isn't it? Yes. Do you, at this point, have you been out long enough? Are you missing it? No. Being at work? No. So you're one of those people, you were able truly to retire and just walk away. I thought I was going to miss it um, more than I do. I had actually someone contacted me just this week about something. She said, nobody can answer my question, and I hate to bother you. And I said, it's okay. I'll I'll help you. So I told her who to go talk to. Um, But no, I really haven't missed it. My good staff that I had had already retired, so it's like a whole new staff in in the payroll section. So it was time. It was. It It was was time. time. Move on to another adventure. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to share before we close? No. I just just want to thank you for doing this because the stories that we hear from people who have worked a career and then look back on some of the things that happened, it's just fun. And I want to to know more about the quilts that you do. (laughs) And definitely we'll see some of those jigsaw puzzles. And we're going to get you some puzzles. (laughs) Bonnie, thank you so much for doing this. Okay, no problem. It It was a pleasure. Okay. If you'd like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities products and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System, the Living Balance Sheet, and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York, copyright 2005-2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and Opinion stated are their own. 2021-115531 expires February 2023.